and welcome to the Nursing Standard podcast. I'm Flavia Munn, editor of Nursing Standard and your podcast host. In this episode, we're going to be looking at what makes a good and compassionate communicator. The importance of clear communication, be it with patients, colleagues, in a verbal or non-verbal form, is underlined by the NMC code. And we know at Nursing Standard that communication is an often searched for topic online. So without further waffle, I'll introduce today's guest, Janie Brown. Now, Janie is a cancer nurse with almost 40 years experience who's published a book on compassionate communication called Radical Acts of Love, 20 Conversations to Inspire Hope at the End of Life. She is also the founder and executive director of a non-profit organisation providing retreats and support to families changed by cancer. Hello and welcome to the Nursing Standard podcast, Janie. Hi, Flavia. Thanks so much for having me. It's lovely to be here with you. Thank you. A pleasure. I'm really glad you you could join us. Could we start with quite a broad question, which is why is being a good or effective communicator such a fundamental nursing skill? Mm. Well, of course, it's everything, isn't it? Communication, because at the centre of our work as nurses, is this therapeutic relationship. So we can't nurse by ourselves, basically. We need our patients and and they need us. And so this relationship is is at the core of everything. And I I was thinking about when we even, you know, we're with somebody and they're wanting to be quiet and we're just doing our work quietly around a person, say they're in bed and they're not well and they don't feel like talking. Of course, we're communicating. We're communicating by our presence. We're communicating by the eye contact that we have. And there's just um, so much to the way we communicate through words, but also through our presence. And so I think that communication, of course, is what makes people feel two things, I think, are the most important thing about our communication is that we we help people to feel safe. And when people feel safe, Uh, When they're in hospital or when they're at home and we're looking after them wherever, in whatever environment, people are looking for safety. They're looking to be Mm -hmm. at ease. And so that really, and I'll talk more about how we enter into those conversations because they're often the the trickiest part. So um, safety, I think, is number one. And also that people feel cared about, deeply cared about. And of course, that's a whole subject in itself about how do we convey caring and what ways do we communicate caring and how is that caring received? So I think absolutely essential um, is developing trust. And we develop trust through our communication, which, of course, is verbal and nonverbal. And um, I'd like, you know, I'd love to talk more about that. So Yeah, so communication is at the heart of everything and it is what makes it possible for people to commit to their goals, to commit to their, you know, the the healing process that we're a part of. So the therapeutic relationship to me is at the centre. And so we, you know, we have to learn how to be good communicators and we learn, first of all, through our families. And so that might be a good or not so good start. <laughs> and uh, we can talk more about that if you like. But I think, you know, we, we, we learn through our models. And of course, our parents are our first place of learning communication. So and that may have to be undone in some way or, it, you know, or it may, we may have learned some very good skills through our parents. So not to put any blame on parents. They do the best they can. We all know that. <laughs> Um, but mm-hmm. communication is a complex and I think extremely interesting 
part of what we do. And it's really, you know, I've dedicated my life to try and understand how to communicate and what does it mean to be a good communicator. And I think all of us as nurses want to be better at that because we know how essential it is. Mm, definitely and of course we we do know the difference that good communication can can make to to patient care and and to also how patients and and families uh respond and and feel as as a result of, of of that experience so i wanted to sort of ask you as well about what's the or what the difference um can be you know when communication is good to patient care and also to team relationships as opposed to when it's um should we say less good? Uh, I think that uh, really good communication helps our patients and the families to connect with themselves. And so mm -hmm. we're, when we, we know when we're ill, that the, the illness becomes so central to everything we think about, especially at the beginning of an illness or understanding what the surgery means. Or So I think that really good communication helps bring people more into the wholeness of who they are. So in other words, they're, they're, they're not just their illness. And so many patients say this to us, of course, that you know, I want to be treated like a person, even though I'm ill and, I, and my disease, you know, I, I, I'm here for that reason. So I think very good communication actually helps, um, <clears throat> helps the person to say, well, yes, I'm also a mother. I'm also a daughter. I also, I, I bring all of myself. So I think this is why the, the beginning of, of, of communication when you're first meeting a patient it's very essential that we think that way. So Rachel Remen, who's a, been a mentor of mine, she's a physician who runs uh, programs in the US and California uh, for doctors to talk about their training and also for all healthcare providers. And she says something really interesting that has stayed with me. And she says there's a difference between helping and fixing and serving. And so I think this is what we're talking about. So when we come to somebody with a sense that we're helping, we may consider them uh, weak, the needy, they need us, right? And, and I think that, that, you know, we think, well, I'm a helper, but there's more to it than that. We can also enter in with the sense that there's problems to be fixed and therefore we need, to, you know, we are the fixer of the problem. And so these things create, a, in a way, a divide between us. When we come to our work uh, as, as someone in service, then we see the person as whole and we see ourselves as whole. And I think that's a wonderful distinction um, when we're talking about good communication, because if we can see the person as having a life long before we ever stepped into the relationship, and we remember that, which I think is, you know, again, how we're taught, you know, it's not the person isn't just their illness and they are, they come with their life experience, their culture, their, there's so much to take in. So the sooner we get into that understanding that somebody is a whole person and we want to know who they are, I think that's a, a wonderful entry, you know, and I, I think in when we're busy with people, it's a wonderful time to elicit story and to understand. I often think of people as, you know, this kind of an, an iceberg and we just get to see people at this tiny, tiny moment in their life. And we're assessing and we're, you know, we're trying to figure out who is this person, how to communicate with them. But of course, we don't know. We don't know most of the story. So we don't understand why someone might be fearful of us or hesitant to, to talk to us or, you know, the, the ways people are. And we're trying to we're trying to assess continually, aren't we? Like, you know, what makes what will help this person relate to me? And of course, you know, again, there's so many barriers to that. So. 
I think the storytelling, I've become so interested in putting people in the context of their life. And of course, we don't always have time, do we, to hear all the stories, but mm -hmm. even snippets of story, I think, helps us to create this, you know, beautiful landscape, you know, of what this person has been about. And so I, um, I think that's a, a wonderful thing to think about uh, when we're meeting someone for the first time, trying to get beyond the context of that moment, you know, that surgery or that. And I know, you know, again, nurses will say, well, how do you have time for all that? Mm. But I noticed that nurses who are very focused on the task at hand and less focused on a broader view tend mm. to, people are less likely to open up. So I think this is what we're looking for. We're trying to say, well, how to build that rapport? How do we build that right at the beginning? Well, we meet people right off the bat with, I'm a human being, I treat you as a human being, and that we're, you know, that 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 I understand pain, that's where my compassion comes from, for myself, for you. And I think compassion is a really interesting thing. It's really a natural arising of a caring, a deep caring for somebody's suffering. And so I think that's why, you know, sometimes I, I notice and we all notice, I think, when we're around caregivers that some people are very in touch with their compassion, you know, that you can mm -hmm. feel the warmth and you think, oh, that person is and you feel it and you feel cared for by that compassion. And then there's other people who seem quite um, cut off from that. And we, of course, there's mm -hmm. a whole body of literature now on compassion fatigue and what that is. But mm -hmm. I think when we can enter in with a sense of wholeness that we are here as humans, we have an expertise, nursing, and they have their lives and we meet in that moment. And I think if we come at it with a sense of I'm, uh, we're serving each other, I'm serving you, it's a very different uh, feeling that I'm helping you or fixing a problem. And the broader the view that we have, the more likely we're going to have to actually have this natural compassion arise. So when mm. we know that this young mum who's having surgery um, has left three young kids at home, you know, with mm. maybe their a grandparent and the grandparent isn't that well herself, you think, you know, you've got immediately there's more compassion for this young mom who's having an operation and can't be with her kids. So the broader our view, the more likely we are to put that person into um, more of their humanity. And I think that immediately brings up more compassion in our mm -hmm. communication. So that's good communication to me is that sense that you've got a larger view and it can be even a, a small, again, a sliver of that life, but understanding what context this person's in hospital, what's happening at home, you know, what's happening in their working life. Maybe they've had to give up their job very quickly. You know, what's, mm -hmm. so we get little snippets, don't we, of um, what mm -hmm. that means to the person to be ill. So it takes a, a bigger context. And then on the other side of it, you know, what what creates what we think of as poor communication. And I think with us nurses, we have so much to contend with, don't we? I mean, we've got more than one person usually to look after. Mm. And we, we've, we've got so much going on in our heart and our mind and trying to you know, very quickly, as I said, assess and, you know, help and do all the things that we're doing. But I think when we lose, um, we lose a sense of that um, immediate connection because we're busy, busy inside. And I think this is one of the challenges that I find was that when I've got a really busy day, I think it's very difficult to be fully present to one person because we've got, you know, another five that we're thinking about mm -hmm. inside. Mm -hmm. So I notice when I can um, 
sort of give myself fully to that person I'm with, if I can do that, and for that moment, put aside the other things. That's why we work as teams, luckily, you know, usually when we're needing to be with one person, someone else is helping us, if hopefully that that's the way it is. So if we can, it's like you've got to, in the periphery where all the other people sit in your day, you know, all the other people you're about to go and see or you've got on your mind, you have to be able to narrow your view to say, this is the person right in front of me. And then the person feels, of course, connected to you. When they know you're distracted and busy, it's true in our lives, isn't it? You know, even Mm -hmm. in our families, when people around us are distracted, we don't feel we don't feel uh, connected and we also don't feel safe. And so, of course, our patients are so vulnerable. And when we're vulnerable, as I said earlier on, we're looking for safety. We're looking for, is this person going to keep me safe? And so mm-hmm. if you meet somebody who's very distracted and busy and, you know, and of course, that's kind of we have to figure out how to manage that because we mm-hmm. are busy. Right. But the person immediately thinks, oh, OK, this person's got me. This person's got me and I feel safe and I can trust. So we're building, of course, this trusting relationship with people. So I think it's a complicated thing to be able to quieten that inside part of us that's got a lot to contend with in a day. But I think if we can learn how to do that and, you know, when I'm, um, you know, myself, when I've been having, um, you know, having to interact with healthcare professionals, it's amazing how quickly a moment of presence makes you feel better. You know, it's just a Mm -hmm. moment of um, connecting deeply by just just saying, how are you today? But really being present in that for that and really wanting to know the answer. And it's, you know, it's a tall order because we have so much on our plate. So I think, um, you know, good and bad communication is about how do we find the connection? And that connection, if it's coming from a warmth and a caring and a steady place, then we're, we're way ahead right off the bat. Mm-hmm. So the person will start to relax. They'll be less anxious and of course when we're with anxious patients then that you know that can show up in many ways but when people are anxious and they don't feel safe they can become quite uh, demanding in terms of you know wanting to know details wanting to understand how it's all going to go they're very focused on the future well what's going to happen next and what's going we say oh it's okay you know one thing at a time but they want they want more information and that's often because they don't feel safe they don't feel that okay let's just take one thing at a time because we're we're offering that kind of steadiness so it's a mm-hmm. it's a complicated thing but i think we're trying to bring the whole system, you and the person, you and the person and their family, into a, a, a calmer, steadier place. And that requires something from us, doesn't it? Yeah. 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 And and to what extent um, can you can you learn how to be a, a good communicator? I know often people think it's it's about confidence and some people are just kind of almost a natural born um, communicators. But but how much of a role does does that play in it that that kind of innate confidence and how much can you learn or even hone those communication skills Mm. well I I think as I said we we learn how to communicate through our families so um, there Mm. might be some um, very good communication in our families and we've learned and I I think that it's quite important for us as nurses to understand 
where did we come from? What communication, you know, are we, you know, did we learn that's really helpful and what and what isn't? Um, so I think we can certainly learn and hone. And I think the ways I've learned to communicate, and I'm still learning, I think it's a lifelong process mm-hmm. to learn to be a good communicator, is to watch and listen and um, choose your mentors. I mean, I think some of my greatest teachings about communication are watching really good nurses at work in terms of communication mm-hmm. and thinking, oh, I'd love to be able to be that at ease, you know, to be that kind of lighthearted and yet able to really focus, you know. And I, I think my, um, you know, my mentors, I had a clinical nurse specialist uh, when I first started working in cancer care who was amazing. And I used to just sort of stand in the background and listen. I thought, what is it? So we have to really explore when we know a good communicator and understand, well, what is it they're doing? What is it they're doing that puts the person at ease? You know, what is it they're doing that makes the whole situation feel like it's under control? So I would say, you know, especially for new nurses to really, um, you know, identify people. They may be your educators, but they may be, you know, the nurse that you're working with day to day. And there's something about that person you think, oh, that's that's how I want to be. So I Mm -hmm. think mentorship is very important. And you can even ask somebody, you know, I really appreciate, like I'm really wanting to learn from you. So I think, you know, so many of us nurses learn much more on the job than we do from textbooks. I mean, to read a book about communication, you're not really going to get a lot further ahead. (laughs) (laughs) So I think, you know, we we have to identify, and I think we all do know nurses Mm -hmm. that we think, you know, that person is just really getting to the core of things quickly. And, you know, and so it's lovely to learn um, from other people. And I think that's really, I feel like I've learned everything about communication from, uh, you know, listening and watching. And I would have to say that, you know, listening is is a big part of it, you know, learning how to listen. Because I think, I mean, I'm someone who asks too many questions. I think that that's the way that I'm going to learn. And I've over the years, I think, well, do I really need to be asking so many questions? If I could just wait and listen better, then I think I'm going to probably be a lot further ahead. And actually, that's proven to be true. So you can fill in a lot of gaps in your understanding by listening. And I think as nurses, you know, we're we're educated to listen. But I think it's a skill that is much more complicated than we think. Because mm-hmm. I'm so quick to jump in when I don't understand something, trying to understand quickly. And uh, again, it's, uh, it's, it, it can cut people off. I mean, I, I ask questions where, you know, I haven't even waited for the answer. And I think we're trying to do things very quickly. So slowing down and just letting the person fill in some gaps for us uh, is, to me, uh, you know, wonderful a wonderful learning about how to communicate better. So we can learn a lot. And I would say, you know, you, you, how do we hone our communication skills? I think we, we can hone them a lot by, by stopping talking so much, listening. It's a funny thing to say, because I think we think we have to be on. And, you know, I remember my early days where I would be um, in a very complex family. Someone's been diagnosed and there might be children. And, and I think this sense of responsibility is so big in us as nurses that, you know, we should have the right thing to say in the right moment. You know, and it's like we put so much pressure on ourselves. And, you know, and then we go home at night and think, oh, now that was a stupid thing to say. Or, you know, why didn't I say that better? Or I wish I'd had a better answer for that question. We're hard on ourselves, aren't we? So I think that it's a, a very very important thing to um, 
you know, to know that, okay, you know, I'll, I can do the best I can. And sometimes actually listening is, uh, again, we don't feel like we've got to have all the answers. And sometimes actually, I think that's true for all of us. Having someone truly listen to us is where the answers come for us, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Not necessarily from outside of us. I mean, sometimes, yes, there's things you need help with to fix, you know, to sort something out. But so much, if we give people space, they 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 uncover the answers themselves, which, of course, then means, again, this shared responsibility. You know, I'm not totally responsible for making this experience you know what I hope it will be for you and I think I've learned to let myself off the hook more because I think I thought I really did need to know how to do that and when I first looked after man the first man I looked after who was dying was a student nurse in Edinburgh I I remember thinking I have no idea and you know still these days you know even 40 years later I'm with somebody I think I have no idea what to say that will be of comfort you know and I I wish I did and I, I think rather than going internal and saying oh I'm not doing a very good job I just say okay I have to have faith in this person They've been through life experience. They've been through things that I know nothing about. And I, I have to trust that they have a resilience, that they that we know how to get through difficult things. I mean, we, we, we learn through experience. So I think our sense of responsibility is often greater than it needs to be for people getting through experiences in the way we think they should, right? That, that, that they should be able to, and we want to help them handle things. But I've learned more and more as I've got older to trust the human capacity to, you know, to really deal with difficult things. Mm-hmm. And, and they need time. And I think as nurses, we're often ahead of them. So mm-hmm. we can often see a trajectory, of course, because we have our experience. And this happens a lot in my field of work in, in cancer care, because I think, oh, here's someone who's had a diagnosis of pancreatic cancer, for example. And I think, and I've seen I, in my head, like we all do, we have a lot of other patients who've gone through that diagnosis. Mm-hmm. So I think it's very easy for us to make assumptions about how how is this going to go. And I think it's one of the risks, actually, in our communication where we, we overlay our experience onto somebody before they are able to, you know, to take that in to actually. Mm-hmm. And it's it's about in hypnotherapy, there's in um, people who've learned clinical hypnosis, I haven't, but there's a very interesting um a tool in that which is called mirroring and pacing and I think this is this is our skillful you know means for communication and nursing is that we're mirroring all the time where's the person at right so often at the beginning there's a sense of they don't really believe it they don't want to believe it if it's a you know very difficult diagnosis for example and we're in our head going through all the people we know who've gone through that illness right mm. so I think mm. it's it's hard for us because we've got all these stories inside. So what we have to do, and I think many, you know, we nurses do this really well, is we meet people where they are, and we mm-hmm. and we and we have to quieten those voices that say, "Oh, I know where this is going," because we don't necessarily. And I suppose all these years later, it's nice to be able to say, "Well, I think I know," but there's lots of times I still don't know which way mm-hmm. things to go, even in very dire circumstances. We've 
I've seen people, you know, surprisingly, you know, move into a, a, a remission again when they weren't expected to, for example. So we have to kind of quell that, that those parts yeah. of us say, we know how this is going. And, and yeah, so, it's that sense right? of, of kind of a, a kind of being present and, and non-judgmental, I guess, uh, approaching each each patient as as an individual is is very much um person centered care really isn't it isn't it yeah and it's so easy to it's so easy to say that isn't it that we we enter in non judgmentally but we we're full of judgments most of yeah us. well we all are yeah. you know we all I mean I'm just I'm saying that because we're all human. <laughs> So yeah. that's what I mean. We come in and inside there's yeah. an inside voice going da 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 and then but so how how can we be authentic? I mean this is the big question in communication. So because we're always putting some things on the side, right, about understanding illness and trajectory and how things might go. So I think we're having to manage a lot of those things inside our heads. And meanwhile, you know, be non-judgmental and, you know, but we're we're met with somebody who's very difficult, has a difficult personality. And we have to be aware of our triggers, you know, what why are we reacting? Because we do, we're human. And so again, I think in communication, this deep understanding of what's what are my trigger? You know, this this kind of person makes me, you know, makes me crazy. Someone who's, you know, yeah. demanding. So, and then and then we expect a lot of ourselves, don't we, to just be, you know, loving, caring, authentic people. And inside, we're, you know, ready to, you know, scream. So it's a big job that we do. And um, but luckily, we have so many um, people all around us who inspire us, don't they? The people that we work with. And I think that that's one of the wonderful things about um, nursing. Most of us work in teams. And I think teams, you asked a question about teams, which I'm not sure I answered, but I think communication in teams, again, is, is essential to our well-being at work, isn't it? And how um, we, we need to build each other up. And I think we're, again, we're judgmental in a certain way with one another. And I always think, well, aren't we really doing the best we can, all of us? And I think I've worked with a lot of teams, you know, trying to help teams come together. And one of the things I think is, you know, is missing from a lot of teams is the sense of support, really supporting each other and saying when the person, oh, I just love the way you told that person this or you communicated to them. You know, what about doing more of that? Because I think that that's, we need building up. We don't need diminishing, you know, like our patients need to be built up and be trusted. And even if, if perhaps it's a, you know, a difficult situation. So I think that we're, um, yeah, there's a lot to be said for how we support one another and how we learn from one another you know about how to do it better without saying oh, I'm always not doing it well enough I mean I think we're classic <laughs> well, I, wanted aren't we? to ask you, I wanted to ask you about that actually because I think you know obviously uh, reflection uh, another um, key key element in, in nursing as well mm. it, it can can you think of um, you know a time when you have either uh, delivered what you feel is is good communication or or experience good communication your, your, yourself and also you know the the kind of um converse you know with 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 bad communication because uh, I'm sure people ask you ab about this because obviously uh, communication is your thing <laughs> so, yeah, interested to hear. Uh, I think I think there's so many times that I've thought I've been communicating well and you know and then I leave thinking oh was that 
Um, and I do remember a long time ago, and I still, I think nurses were very, um, we go over and over things, don't we? You know, because we, we really, I think, you know, we want to do better. And we, and I remember being asked to go and speak to these three young kids, and they were probably six, eight, and 10. And their mum was very ill and dying of cancer. And um, I was asked by, you know, one of my superiors to go in and, and talk to the children. And I, you know, I really regret saying yes to that because I really didn't know what I was doing and I you know and I think many of us end up in these situations in nursing where we think I'm over I'm really over my depth and I didn't know enough to ask for help I think I was that naive that I that I actually knew more than I knew and I remember sitting down with these three kids and and just trying to have this conversation to say you know you know do you know what's going on with your mummy and and they would kind of stare at me and and I, I it was it was so uncomfortable and so devastating like inside I was just my heart was breaking and I, I could hardly you know I just could hardly think about what to say and so now of course I look back and I think oh those poor kids you know that I wasn't the best person to deliver that news and now you know all these years later I'd say you know I would never have done that without having the other parent present and without um, having support to do that because that's a you know these things are devastating and they they're not easy for us to be strong and together and so I probably now I mean now I'm more comfortable with that but I would still not do that without the family present and without um, support because I think we need you know we need to feel that we're part of a team that you know that these things are difficult and nobody should really have to do that by themselves and so I know that when I see you know younger colleagues who they're they're in a over their head I can feel it right and we all know when we're over our head and I think that's where we have to pair up and say look none of us should have to and I think when we're assigned you know patients that are that feel that way we have to speak up like this is a bit over my head and I really need backup and I think we have to be better at asking for support and to say you know I just this is just too, and again, this is where, um, you know, identification in families, if you have three young children of your own, and you're looking after a young mum or dad who's very ill, for example, then you're just so involved. I mean, you, it's very hard to separate yourself. And I think, you know, we're taught to do that. What, what does that mean, have a boundary? But it's human to feel the devastation of that. And I always say to nurses that if you don't feel the devastation, there's something wrong, actually. You know, there's something wrong if you can't feel that this is. And um, so I think we need to be able to, you know, to acknowledge that some of the situations we end up in. And there's so many nurses all around the world in these devastating situations that we can't do it by ourselves and I, I really um, that's what I learned from doing things on my own and not doing them very well and wishing I had had support so I mean that's a, a big example but I go back over and over that and think oh I'm sure I didn't do harm I mean I think that's the you know the lowest common denominator <laughs> right you know didn't do any harm to them but I didn't do much good either I we have to say, actually, I'm not really equipped to do that. You know, I don't think I really have what I need. And I think it's hard to do that, isn't it, when everybody's under a lot of pressure to say, you know, I just don't feel I have. So we have to be quite humble and I think quite courageous to say, I can't, I don't think I've got what I need there. Can I come with you? 
I was actually going to ask you as well about protecting your own well-being in those circumstances. You know, I know that's something that, that you've written about for us as, as well. And I mean, that's a really important topic, you know, especially as we're recording this, you know, amid a COVID-19 pandemic as well. I mean, what what can nurses do, you know, when, when they're having these very difficult conversations, you know, such as, you know, break, breaking bad news to, to families sometimes, you know, and, in, in not the best circumstances, you know, from a medium point of view, you know, they're having to just phone them up or, or, or oh, whatever. Mm-hmm. Current situation. I mean, how, how do you deal with that on a personal level as a nurse? Yeah, I mean, it's absolutely, it, it's very, very difficult. I mean, I think everyone's, you know, just up against so much at the moment. So I think at the very basic level, we have to have some sort of self-compassion that, you know, we have to not expect too much of ourselves and I think that we do expect a lot and I think we need to understand where when we are really fraying at the edges like what are the signs that tell us that we're really not doing very well and of course they're obvious things right well we go home we can't switch off we think about what we did how you know how we think about the next day going in and we can't sleep and we we can't focus we're irritable we're you know that there's signs that each of us develop when we're under um, the kind of stress that people are under right now so i think again we have to we have to be realistic you know when are we really um you know at risk when are we really at risk and i think we need to be a again, courageous to say those things to ourselves. I just, I'm not sure I can keep going. We need to, of course, again, this is where our teammates essential that we open up to people and say like, you know, because I think we do that as nurses, don't we? I mean, it's amazing how often we we can really talk to each other. And I think that, um, you know, taking this kind of stuff home creates a lot of stress in families, doesn't it? We don't really want to take it home, but if there's no time at work, where do we find the space to, to really, because it's amazing just having someone listen and say oh that was just a terrible I was in this terrible situation I had to call this family and you just need to tell the story I mean and you need to have someone listen and it's amazing how simple that is and we can ask each other I just need to debrief this phone call I just had can you give me five minutes and just listen I don't need you to help fix or sort it out I've got nothing to sort out I just need to get it out I just need to say and often what comes up of course is oh I wish I could have done that better or I'm devastated by what that family's going through you know and sometimes we just have to have a cry you know I think that again we're human if we keep trying to hold it all together then I think we do become robotic and we do become I mean we're then incredibly at risk aren't we for you know for some kind of stress that isn't manageable so I think we're again we need to rely on each other and lower our um you know, our expectations of ourselves in the sense that we just keep having to handle more and more. And I think that's a dangerous place to be, isn't it? Um, even though that is the reality for so many nurses right now, is that it just feels like we're at breaking point. Mm. And so what does self-care mean when your colleagues are at breaking point as well? You know, you have to be very clear, I think, that oh, today is a day I need to just go off and, um, you know, ride my bike in the rain. You know, like, I think we all need to remember what it is that helps us. Um, And it can be very small things, you know, that we're Mm -hmm. all figuring out, oh, yeah, like, I just need to go and make a really big lasagna tonight, you know, because Mm -hmm. I need to get Mm -hmm. into my creative self, right? 
need mm. to go and listen to music or I need I mean mm. I think we need to know what our conditions are for each of us and I think you know we're good at that except when things get overwhelming then we forget oh no I actually you know we don't think we can take that time out to do things that are useful for ourselves because all of our colleagues are struggling or they're on the night shift and we're coming home. You know, we, we care about each other so much. But I think we are learning that we, we, we can't afford to not do that anymore, you know, to mm-hmm. really think, oh, no, I actually need this weekend. I need to just cut off and just do the things I love, you know, be with my kids. And that's, of course, helpful for a lot of people, just focusing on the kind of normal life as much as we can right now so I think we just have to yeah we keep having to build our resilience and sometimes we have to say I'm I'm at my max I really I can't I know that I'm not going to be able to continue on this in this way and it's brave to do that when we're leaving colleagues in the mix you know who are also at their wits end so but um, it's an amazing um, resourcefulness we have under crisis, in crisis. I mean, again, I work with people in crisis every day with cancer diagnoses. And, and I am really um, more, you know, every day impressed by our adaptability and how we are able to stand up in the face of adversity. And you see this every day, don't, you know, right now with COVID especially, that it's amazing what we're able to do. So it's both, isn't it? Recognizing when when our limits are there, but also really recognizing our strength. And I I, I see that everywhere, that people have this amazing ability to adapt. And, you know, people with cancer, if you think yourself, you know, it's like if I got this terminal diagnosis tomorrow, you think, how would I ever cope? But then Mm -hmm. I see people coping. I see people finding a way through. And that's, I think that's what lifts me up every day to keep Mm -hmm. going. Like I'm sure you and, and so many nurses feel like you just watch a kind of magnificence of the human spirit that says, you know, I can I can still go and knock on my neighbor's door when I'm feeling stressed. I can still reach out. You know, there's a beautiful teaching about the heart. Like we can still be generous even when we're struggling. We can still be, you know, patient and helpful even when we're under duress. And I think it helps us to be that way, actually. It helps us to you know, keep focusing outside of our own worlds in a certain sense, too, that keeps us, okay, we're here together as a community. So I'm always so grateful that we have this ability. And not everyone does, of course. There's a lot of fragility right now. And so I always say the people who have it have the strength are the people that can give some to the people that don't. And we take turns, don't we? Some days are good days and some days are bad. So we yeah. kind of fill in for each other when when someone's got a bit of extra strength because maybe they've had, you know, a long weekend off and they feel a little bit more ready to come back mm-hmm. in. So I'm glad yeah. we, we kind of take turns, don't we? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I wanted to sort of ask you as well about nursing students who are, who are taking their first steps in, into the profession now. I wanted to ask you what you feel as some three three tips that you could give to nursing students to to sort of really uh, hone their their communication skills. Mm, yeah, I mean, I'd love to. I mean, I it's a, I love to spend time with yeah, new nurses because I remember it well myself. You know, even though it's a long time ago, <laughs> you know, you sort of remember your how anxious and nervous and and especially relating to people. You're relating to someone three or four decades older than you, and you think, well, how do I talk to this person? So, I think that um, as I said a bit earlier, I think that starting by learning to listen 
uh, is an amazing, it's an amazingly helpful thing because again, we tend to think we need to know more than we do know. But listening is a is a very active thing. It's, it conveys compassion. It conveys empathy. And so listening, being a good listener is, again, as a new nurse, you really can feel competent quite quickly if because you see the results of that. People love to be heard. People love when they can tell you a story and there's a really present and attentive listener. So I would say hone that skill. It's a very important skill and one that I think makes starts to make you feel quite competent quite quickly rather than the pressure of having to find the right words at the right time you know, uh, in the early days. And then um, I also, again, think that it's wonderful to fill out the stories and to not be afraid to ask questions about their life. Because people want to talk about their life and they don't, as I said, don't, don't want to always talk about their illness or what, you know, what's happening from a medical perspective. So they want to tell you who they are outside of that, you know, that central spot of, of disease. So I think for new nurses, it's a wonderful skill to see how someone belongs to a family, someone belongs to a community, a culture, you know, people have specific interests and loves. And I think when we can connect around somebody's, you know, inspirations, then the relationship just, it just becomes very light and meaningful for both the nurse and the patient. So don't be afraid to ask for stories and say, you know, you know, you you mentioned that you lived in, you know, somewhere. And, you know, what was that like? Tell me about, you know, what was it like when you lived there? And um, so I, I think that, again, people really love to be asked those kinds of questions, mm-hmm. because then they feel more themselves. They feel, oh, I'm not just here having an operation. I've got a life outside of here. So I, I would encourage uh, new nurses to fill in you know, who this person is. And I know we're taught that, but to really do that in a real way when they're busy with something, it's easy to do that. Mm-hmm. And then I think, again, this self-compassion is, I have to say that it's the biggest, um, I think it's the hardest thing to find when you're a new nurse, that you, you know, mm-hmm. you understand that you're still learning and that you really, um, you you can't be expected to know everything. And to be kind and to and to as I said tell your colleagues when you're not being kind to yourself and and just say you know, I really think I screwed up and I think again we're quite proud aren't we we don't really want to admit um, and I remember that as a young nurse thinking oh I can't tell anyone that you know that was a stupid thing to say you know we're kind of ashamed but we shouldn't be ashamed when we don't know because um, it's a big field of learning and every day we learn so much so again to be to be kind with yourself and not to expect too much and um and then really keep your eyes open and learn from the people around you and find your mentors and tell them you really you know you can really learn from them and i think you know more experienced nurses love that too sharing their knowledge and and when mm-hmm. new nurses are asking for support i think it's a lovely thing to offer isn't it to say you know i'd like to I'd like to help you in specific ways. So I think that's a very informal kind of learning, but one of the most valuable. Mm, brilliant. Well, I think that's a, a brilliant positive uh, message to to end on as well, mm. which is is really good. And hopefully, people will will learn from from what you've been um, uh, chatting mm. with me about this uh, this afternoon. It's been really interesting. So thank you very much, Janie, for uh, joining oh. us. Uh, it's been such a pleasure and I you know I think nurses we we have so much to say to each other and I really hope this is helpful and thank you so much for inviting me oh thank you 
And thank you very much for listening. Just a reminder that all the resources connected with this episode of the show can be found at rcni.com forward slash podcast, where you can also catch up on any episodes you may have missed or simply want to play back. And we greatly appreciate any feedback, so please do rate or review us on Apple or Spotify podcasts, which will also help other people to find us. I hope you enjoyed the show.